Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey, everybody. It's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the For the Love Podcast. Super glad to have you. We are in a new series right now that is so great. It's called For the Love of New Beginnings. We are turning the car into 2018 and thought we'd just bring together all kinds of guests who can walk us through goals and just the things that we want to tackle this year um, here at the onset when we go, all right, we've got this kind of fresh new page and what do we want to do with it? And so my guest today is, this is absolutely her lane. I mean, positively, um, this this is her space. So I'm so happy because she's also my friend um, to welcome to the podcast Rachel Hollis today. Um, so a lot of you already know Rachel. She's a she's a best selling author. She's on TV. She's a speaker. She's the founder and CEO of Chic Media, um, which is this amazing site for women, um, all this amazing digital content for women, you name it, it's on there. Um, Rachel was named one of Inc's magazine's top 30 entrepreneurs under 30. If that tells you anything, um, she's just got this really infectious energy that you're going to love on this podcast. So she started the chic site after she caught her Thanksgiving Turkey on fire. So uh, we're definitely going to talk about that because it's a hilarious story. And her thought after that moment was that she just needed, um, she, she was done needing someone else to show her how to do things. She wanted to, she wanted to cook, but not, fan, not in a fancy way. She wanted to figure out what to wear, but it needed to be on the clearance rack. And she thought, okay, there've got to be a lot of women out there like me who want to sort of build and create this beautiful life, but we need to do it in a way that makes sense. Um, and you're going to hear so many great ideas on that today. And so, um, she's really motivational and inspirational, but definitely approachable. Like she comes from really humble beginnings and she's had a lot of sorrow in her life. Um, and so she very much tells it like it is, which is refreshing and honest and truthful. Her inner company, she's worked with all kinds of top brands like Walmart and Disney Junior and JCPenney and Sprint and all these amazing um, companies who use her, um, who use chic, chic media um, as sort of this engine. And so she's got a new book coming out February 6th called Girl, Wash Your Face. We're going to talk about why it's titled that. You're going to be tickled. Um, Stop believing the lies about who you are so you can become who you are meant to be. It's really powerful. I've read every word of it. Um, So obviously in this series, we're talking about new beginnings. So we're going to talk today with Rachel about how she reinvented herself from a turkey burner to an entrepreneur and then how she empowers other women to believe in themselves too. So you are going to love Rachel if you don't already know her. She is such a joy and such a delight, such a good and a loyal friend too. So without further ado, you guys help me welcome Rachel Hollis. Hi, friend. Hello. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Thank you for um, for joining me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a fun and a good friend. I mean, you've been at this house now, well, more than once. Yes, um, I have, which feels yes. like we're legit if we've hung out at your house more than one time. That's exactly right. We are legit. <laughs> well, 
frankly, we've traveled internationally together. We so have. That's right. I think that's that's the moment where we're like, this is this is real. This is yes, happening. We, did we have to use a squatty potty in Africa to get? Okay, great. <laughs> great. We're we're locked in for life. It's so glamorous, international travel. So listen, I've already told all my listeners a lot about you um, and how you got your start, specifically um, the day that you didn't just um, burn your Thanksgiving turkey, but you literally set it on fire. So I would would love for you to walk us through that (laughs) defining moment and how that propelled you forward. Well, for years, we had volunteered to host Christmas dinner, and I did that on purpose. I I called it a Christmas fiesta, and I would make tacos because that was something I felt really comfortable with, and turkeys petrified me. And finally, it was our year to host Thanksgiving. We didn't really have a choice in the matter. And so I Googled, you know, whatever, like world's best Turkey sure. and found Martha Stewart as as you do as you do and, uh-huh. and I brined it like oh. it with wine and oh. you know the Lord blessed it and it was a whole <laughs> thing in the it was a it was a thing um, yeah. and the last step was um, that you I still don't even know how this is a possibility but you soak a cheesecloth in butter and white wine I mean it just sounded delicious and you what? lay it over the turkey and you cook it that way. And it okay. makes this brown, beautiful bird. Okay. And I was like, oh, well, righty. That awesome. Yeah. I had I had gotten through the brining process with this gigantic turkey. So I thought we're in the home stretch. So I put it in, not really thinking about, oh, uh, it's a it's a cloth soaked with alcohol right up near the top of the <laughs> oven. And um, not very much time later I looked over and the whole thing was on fire and it was not salvageable. And, um, it was right sort of at the beginning of my blogging career. And that, that, um, experience was so, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but it was so devastating for me. I think anyone who's ever, yeah, like hosted a dinner for family or a birthday party for their kids. When you, when you try something new and you make a mistake, you blame yourself and you don't want to try again. So for me, that was sort of a tipping point in blogging where I thought, dang it, there has to be, and this was years and years ago before Pinterest was a thing. There has to be someone doing recipes online that get you to a a nice, beautiful finished product, but don't require 17 days of prep work to get there. Um, And that sort of launched what became a really popular blog for me, which was about this idea of um, how do you kind of marry these like very low brow roots that I grew up with and wanting a high brow presentation. And so for the next several years, that's what I did. Let's talk about those low brow roots and we'll work our way kind of up to that point in your story and then beyond. So, um, I love your story and you told me your entire story on a bus in Ethiopia, um, which we spent, it felt like 27 hours a day in. Yes. I Um, believe that's real. So I'm like, you know what, while we're sitting here, mm-hmm. what's your deal? Yeah. Um, and so it's, you, you pretty much left home and moved to LA when you were 17 years old, 17, like you're just yeah. a, a, a baby. A baby, absolutely. And, and you started running a really successful event planning business in four years time mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about those years first. I want to talk about, tell us about uh, tell us about home. Yeah. Um, tell us about leaving home mm-hmm. and then tell us about being in LA on your own, a literal teenager. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and how, how all that went. 
Yeah. So I was the baby of four children and my parents' marriage, um, was, if it was great, it wasn't at any time in my memory. Great. Mm. Um, they, uh, split up and got back together and split up and got back together. That is my memory of their marriage for the entirety of my childhood. Um, grew up in really hard, um, circumstances. So lots of trauma, lots of, um, um, bad stuff. We'll just say that. Uh, so I, for most of my childhood, quite honestly, I think like most people who grew up similarly, I didn't know that there was any other way to be a family. I didn't know that other families didn't scream at each other and punch holes in the walls and throw the TV, you know, through the window. Like I didn't know that that kind of rage and fear wasn't totally normal. So, um, from a very early age, I didn't recognize it as anything wrong, but I knew I wanted to get outside of it. So I, as this last child for them, um, and, and obvious, like a very independent person from a really young age, I think I kind of had to be, um, I just learned to take care of myself. Mm. And I, sometimes I think with cases like that, when you learn to take care of yourself, you get so good at it that, um, it sort of gives permission maybe for the people who should be taking care of you to step back even further. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I was, um, 14, my older brother committed suicide Mm -hmm. and it was a defining period in my life. I recognized, um, that good or bad or trauma or hardship or joy or whatever, whatever was going to happen now after this was up to me. I knew that even at 14 Mm -hmm. years old. And Mm -hmm. so I was a, I was a freshman in high school at the time. And I found out, like I went to the office and I talked to a guidance counselor and I said, what can I do to graduate high school as quickly as possible? Because all I, all I wanted in the world was to just get out of the home that I had grown up in. So I took summer school classes. I, t- I did everything that I could, every extracurricular activity, everything to be able to graduate as a junior. Mm-hmm. And at 17 years old, uh, you know, in retrospect, I realized how absolutely insane that was that both of my parents were like, see ya. Like, wow. good luck. Right. I have a 17 year old. Yeah. I right? just, I, I can't hardly think to of it. To Los Angeles. I know. <laughs> From a small town to Los Angeles by myself, it, it speaks to, um, how broken everything was that that felt appropriate to them. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm, I moved there and I, 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 I just worked so hard. I, my, um, my dad is an incredibly hard worker and I had learned a work ethic from him. It's one of the, one of the gifts that he has given me. I didn't know. I mean, honestly, when I moved to LA, I truly thought my life plan, and this is a chapter in the book was that I was going to marry Matt Damon. Like that was <laughs> I remember when he told me that. the plan. Like I'm 17, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to marry Matt Damon. That's, sure. that's the, where we're headed here. It makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Cause I'm a child. So, um, but what's so magical about that is that that dream led me somewhere. So in my 17 year old brain, I thought I'm going to marry Matt Damon. And first I'm going to need to find him 
in Los sure. Angeles. And right. so at the time, um, we were about two years removed from Goodwill Hunting coming out and just being a massive success, which yeah. was a uh, Miramax production. I thought, well, I'm going to go get a job at Miramax. That's and too much. When he comes in for a uh-huh. meeting, obviously, Jen, he'll see me across right. the lobby and that will be that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so that ended up leading to me working at this production company. And it's worth saying, um, it was sort of the wild, wild west at that time. I mean, mm-hmm. now that so much has come out about Harvey, you understand that it was always the wild, wild west when you worked for right. a Weinstein. But right. um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so it was one of those things where if anyone had done due diligence, they would have been like, this girl is 17. I maybe had just turned 18 at the time. Um, she probably shouldn't be working here, but Mm. I just, you know, work ethic is a big deal. And regardless of probably how immature I was, I was willing to work hard for a little bit of money. And that's how I started my career. That's bananas. It is pretty crazy. So that's where you started. You're at this production company. Um, just, Doing whatever, I'm sure. Literally anything that's anything, do a uh-huh. hundred copies made, go get us coffee. Totally. Uh, you know, just all of that. Yeah. How did this parlay into event planning? So it really was the time I was there really was the heyday for Miramax. Um, so you know, it was when I don't know how familiar you are with their work, but it was when they made Chicago, it was when they made um Oh my gosh, the others, like there were so many huge Mm -hmm. things for them during that, um, like three, four year period. And because of that, we were constantly throwing parties. We were constantly nominated for awards and it was sort of an all hands on deck. And as a starving person, I constantly wanted overtime. So they would say, Hey, we have, you know, the Oscar after party or this movie premiere who wants to work it. And I always volunteered, And, um, yeah, I just, I started doing the events and I really loved them. I had grown up doing theater and theater and events always felt very similar to me, which was, it's a ton of preparation for one night only. And there's some kind of magic in you prepare as much as you can. And then, you know, you cross your fingers and your toes and you just see what happens. So I really loved it pretty early on. And I went to a couple of other um, places after I left Miramax. I had a couple of years where I tried working in the ad industry or I tried um, going to another production house. But ultimately, the the, de- the desire to do events kind of followed me around. And mm. I just was young and dumb and <laughs> audacious enough to say, like, I'm going to start my own event planning firm. And I just... It's it really is like God protects fools and children because I was both, and <laughs> I just truly, you know, sent out an email the first day. You know, hi, I started my own event planning company. Uh-huh. If anyone needs an event planner, and I was really lucky in that Los Angeles is such a destination for weddings. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to do pretty, pretty early on, I was able to start doing weddings right away, which is, you know, a nightmare in and of itself. I cannot even fathom this as work. Yes, worst. (laughs) Um, But it really launched my career. And I truly treated every single client like they were the last client I would ever get. I worked my Mm -hmm. butt off. I did anything and everything. And slowly people would pass my name around. And just, I built that company one client at a time, one event at a time, and turned it into what it became 
like having no idea what I was doing, but just figuring it out along the way. I love that. Um, what was your, what's like the worst moment of the event planning years? What was the low point? What was like the, I got to get out of this business moment. You know, my first book is about that couple of years, which everything in that book, people were like, that's so funny. You made that up. I'm like, every story in party girl is absolutely 100% true. And everyone is based on an actor or an actress that you absolutely know, but I have awesome. you know changed names so that I don't get sued. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I've had everything and most, most wedding planners will tell you there's something about a wedding where just catastrophe tends to happen. So, um, the worst thing I can think of, um, <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm a terrible person. Um, but the, the groom was at the front of sort of the reception hall giving a toast. And in the back of the room, his grandpa starts having a heart attack. And as a wedding planner, my, my ultimate goal for every couple is that you want to protect them from anything bad that could be uh-huh. happening. And it was just set up in a way where everyone was looking one direction, watching the groom give a toast. And in the back of the room, I've like found a doctor. They're literally doing chest compressions. Grandpa is laid out on the floor. I can't. An ambulance comes in. I hand to the heavens. All of this happens while this toast is going on and nobody knew. No. And grandpa has swear to you. Nobody knew that grandpa just got taken away in an ambulance. Cause I mean, this is how terrible I literally, when we called the 911 operator said, can you just have them not p- play the siren as they come up the hill? <laughs> you just have them come up with the lights on no siren. I, this is, I feel terrible to say it now, Amazing. but the, that, I mean, I got a fantastic tip. I will tell you what. And grandpa was fine. Grandpa was fine. He was, he was hitting oh, the wine. He was hitting that, that wine it's a little crazy. bit too hard, but yeah, that's, it feels that's, like a not real moment. Like you're making it up and it's true as can be. Yeah. So many things. Well, you know what? It turned into a book, right? Like, yay, nothing wasted. Yes. Amen to that. (laughs) Um, I want to touch on something you mentioned before we move on, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Because you obviously worked for Miramax Mm -hmm. and you mentioned Weinstein. And so, you know, right this very minute, Mm -hmm. there's just this very important and powerful conversation, um, right now around women Mm -hmm. and women saying no more and women, women standing up for themselves and exposing abuse in the workplace Mm -hmm. and in the church and in the home and wherever it's happening. Um, and a real, you know, power differential. Um, and so, you know, we've been watching this play out in the media. Golly, it feels like, it felt like for a minute there every day, Mm -hmm. there was a new actress, um, a new, um, powerful woman, a new person in media saying, this is what it was like for Mm -hmm. me all these years. And, um, and and of course you and I, we're women too, Mm -hmm. where it's not like we've not worked around powerful men. So this Mm -hmm. isn't some distant idea that we have no idea about. So I'd love to just, if you don't mind, I would just love to hear your take on what has been going on the last couple of months around this. And, And do you think this speaks to sort of a new day for women and empowered women in the workplace, empowered women in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. in the church, Mm -hmm. in all the places where they have been historically kept under the thumb of men, specifically with abuse and exploitation? Mm -hmm. Well, when when I heard, when Dave told me about it, about the first allegations against Harvey, my immediate response was uh, nobody who, nobody, not male or female, who has worked 
for him or with him is surprised by this news. Really? Not one person. Mm. Um, and the sucky part about that, and I will even like, this is something I've been chewing on ever since it happened was nobody is surprised by this news and everybody accepted it as part of life. Wow. When, um, you know, where, um, the book comes out here in about a month. And so as you know, like the publicists who work on the book will, um, pitch you to different stories. And recently one of the publicists reached out and said, Hey, so in this, this publication is doing a story on the idea of hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering if you have ever had an experience about, you know, with sexual harassment in the workplace and it's like, which time? Right. Totally. You know what, what, but, but what I hate and what I have to chew on and what I'm trying to work through right now, honestly, is it that there are so many circumstances that I just have felt like this is part of doing business. Mm, wow. That, like, I hate, this is so anti-feminist of me to say, and I, it, if all of this stuff hadn't come to the light, it wouldn't have made me process this, but I've run my own company for 13 years mm-hmm. and I just, ex- I, like, I've learned to expect it and mm-hmm. kind of think, well, there's not really, I don't even know what I would do with, what am I going to, the, the story that came to mind when they asked me this question was maybe eight years ago, I was, um, working with, and as a blogger, uh, oftentimes you're paid by companies to right. endorse products or use it within something that you have on your site. <clears throat> and I was working with a company, um, one of the f- biggest food companies in the U S. Um, and I had been working with them for months. They were my biggest client. And at the time I was not in a place where I could easily walk away from, you know, $150,000 a year or whatever it was that we were getting from them. And I had written a post on the site, um, about having breast augmentation. Mm -hmm. I had it after I had my kids and I'd written this post on the site that wasn't in any way salacious. It was honestly like, Hey, for other moms who are interested in knowing what this is about, here's my experience of having this surgery. And I got a note from the CEO of this company, a massive company who I up until that point had thought was this incredible, um, partner for me, Mm -hmm. um, asking if he could see pictures of the, the after, Wow. No way. Um, uh Uh-huh. And I was so, um, flabbergasted by it because at this point we had been working together for six or seven months and I knew it was inappropriate, but he was the head of the company. Who do you complain to? Exactly. Like, and, and, you know, and and then that's the point. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and he sort of in the, in email, what an idiot, like it's in email, but sort of said like, just kidding. Like, Mm. unless you really want to show me in which case, Mm -hmm. like here's the whatever. And Mm. I honestly just thought, okay, you know, I won't be doing business with him anymore, but didn't plan to say anything. Right. Um, Dave was pissed. Dave was ready to like go burn something down. Um, and I sort of talked him out of it because I I hate to say this, but my other thought is I don't want to get a reputation as someone who's Mm. hard to work with because I have a staff of five people who count on me to make money. Um, and it ultimately was, I was sitting in a staff meeting and I was telling Mm -hmm. the women on my team what had happened and they were so upset. Like, what are you going to say to him? What are you going to do? And I was like, guys, we're just, we're going to let this blow over. And one of them said, Rachel, what if it was us? Hmm, And I was like, oh, I I will 
I will murder someone who speaks yeah. to you guys this way. And they were like, well, why wouldn't you stand up for yourself? So I ended up sending him an email back and telling him how inappropriate it was and that we were done doing business and to never contact me again. But I mean, I have so many of those stories. So I think the the things that I, that we're hearing right now that's happening in the news, um, it makes me think everything has a tipping point, Yes, everything. And unfortunately, oftentimes it has to get to a state of just, garbage, abysmal, the world is burning down around us for something to happen to tip us into a new direction. Um, But the sad flip of that is having worked in a male dominated industry for the past 13 years, I hate to think how often I have just thought, this is part of doing business. Of course, that's how the system continues. Yeah, sure, is, exactly. is to make sure that women get the message, both directly and indirectly, yeah. that if you cry foul here, if you yep. make a big deal, yep. um, if you speak up, your career's on the line. And yep. frankly, it is. It so is. that's not it even that's not is. even threats. That's that's yeah. just the truth. And yep. so it's it's this whole filthy system. Mm-hmm. That need to topple, but yeah. I've been wow, just really overwhelmed to watch these women stand up at mm-hmm. at the risk of their own everything you just mentioned. Am I going to get a yep. reputation for being a whistleblower? Mm-hmm. Am I is anybody going to want to work with me? Will mm-hmm. I ever have another male colleague who can trust me? But at the risk of all that, to stand up and say this is what happened, yep. um, and then just to watch the justice. roll through right now in a way that it never has in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think it's, I I think this is good news for us and it's definitely Mm -hmm. good news for our daughters Mm -hmm. um, as we begin to create a culture where we are unwilling to just Mm -hmm. go, we're not going to shrug it off anymore. You know, we're not going to talk our staff into not saying anything. Yep. Yep. Um, And, and I think once um, everyone has to start paying the piper, yeah. I think we might see some systemic changes and I'm really Absolutely. hopeful. And thank Absolutely. you for talking about that for a minute. Listen, sure. we're about to get to your book because that's, I really, really want to talk about that. Um, but will you just sort of, will you catch everybody up between end of event planning and the book that we're about to talk about? Because you've mentioned it a couple of times, but I want you to talk about, um, about your company and how you transitioned into that space and mm-hmm. what it has been like to build that this last decade plus. Yeah. Uh, so I, what I had this event planning company and I had started blogging, which was, you know, super popular to do. I mean, still is, but you know, eight, nine years ago, really big, really big deal. Uh, so I had started blogging and slowly started to get some traction and some attention there. And I was getting really burnout with the events. It's a very stressful, hard job. You work nights and weekends. I was never seeing my husband or my kids, Um, and had started to think of how I would like to transition. Mm. And this, I I saw the opportunity there. The first time that someone said, Hey, can we, you're, you're baking anyway. Could we put our eggs with our logo on it in your post? And we'll give you 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. I was like, Holy crap. Yes. Yes, (laughs) you can. Um, and I realized that there was, you know, there was a business there. So Mm. I slowly transitioned 
and started doing that full time about five years ago, six years ago, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, simultaneously, I am the biggest book nerd you've ever met in your entire life. I, I know you're a book nerd too, but totally. I just, I love books. They're my happy place. I read constantly. And I had always dreamed since I was a little girl, I'd always dreamed of being an author. Mm. And I um, had the opportunity to work with a lit agent and I she actually gave me the idea for party girl. Um, she said, Hey, would you ever think about writing about this, you know, this world of celebrity event planning? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I know exactly what this is. Uh So I wrote that book. It ended up launching my career as an author and it, the, it became a series. And then last fall I came out with my first cookbook. Uh, which is just, you know, casseroles and cheese and white gravy and nothing healthy. (laughs) And um, I I love this story, uh, but it's so fantastic for anybody who loves Jenna Hatmaker because we were on a bus in Ethiopia. And my story, which I told the last time we were at an event together was, you know, I, I had loved you and admired you from afar for so many years. And we had had the opportunity to speak at Jamie's house. Uh I don't know, maybe a year before. I don't remember how much time had passed. Um, and at that event, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look in your direction. It was like looking into the sun. I couldn't handle it. It was too much for my heart. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So, um, I I don't even know how it came to pass that I somehow drew the lottery, but y'all invited me to go to Ethiopia with help with now. And I was like, I will literally go anywhere with you. Like, what do you want me to do? Any, literally anything I'm in. And the first day, um, you guys had come in and again, I was like, I don't know, like when the cool girl invites you to a party and you're like, well, I'm not going to overwhelm her. Like, I'm not going to go talk to her when she's ready. She'll come to me. I'll just sit over here be by myself. So it was our second day. And we were, we were in for a long drive, which everywhere in Ethiopia, maybe it's a long drive, but I think we had to be in the car like six hours or something. And I had sat down in the bus and there was a seat empty next to me and you yeah. got on the bus and you sat down next to me. And yeah. in my brain, it was like a Pentecostal like worship team. <laughs> I just was speaking and speaking in tongues. So I thought, oh my gosh, she's committed yeah. to six hours next to me in the seat. And you're right. so wonderful. But <laughs> you said, I would just tell me everything. And I was like, yeah. oh Lord, have, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Uh, I was so excited. So um, we we're talking and you, you said, what's your next book? Yeah. And I was like, oh my, well, let me tell you. And at the time I was writing this just like insane sci-fi. Uh-huh. I love fiction. So I'm always trying to experiment in different things, even though it's totally off brand. So I'm describing this sci-fi book to Jen and she's looking at me like I'm an insane person. She's like, no, 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 no what's your book? Like, what's the book of your heart? What is the thing that you want to say to women that you have never said, if you could put it into a book, if you could write anything, what would it be? And I think most authors know that answer, but rarely people know to ask them. Mm, And I said, uh, well, I would want to tell women what I can't tell them when they send me direct messages and emails. Cause I get, mm. I'm sure like you do hundreds, right. if not thousands a month um, from women all over the world who are sending me um, questions, essentially hoping that I will somehow fix their life. That's right. That I some t- somehow I have the magic cure, the magic thing, the quick solution, the fast 
answer that's going to fix their life for them. And because they're coming to me, um, I'm a lot of times heartbroken and scared. I can never tough love them. I can only say like, you're strong, you're a warrior, you can do this. What I really want to say is, and I started just saying this stuff to Jen. I'm like, you know, just like get up off the ground, take a hold of your life, girl, you can do it girl. And I keep saying these things. And Jen says, girl, wash your face. Right. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. There it is. Um, so yeah, so girl, wash your face comes out February 6th. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is, I hope a blend of, you know, love, but, but tough love. It is. And I, of course, you know, I've read every word, um, <laughs> and I love it and it is love and it is tough love. And I really appreciate that about you. That is, that's one of my favorite things about the way that you, um, run your business, about the way that you engage women, um, kind of about the way you dispense advice and wisdom. And, um, you know, in my world, because a majority of my space is very like Christian in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sometimes a tone that comes with it, specifically with women. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's very aw shucks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. shucks. Yes. And it's just, it's, it, 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 for, for lack of a better way to explain it, 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 you walk away from it sometimes feeling like you should be less, like just diminish, and shrink down in some way, but also yeah. change the world. It's real tricky. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a real tricky needle of thread. Yep. Um, like be humble and it's all for Jesus, but also do everything. Yep. And so one thing that I like about the way you lead and really one of the one of the reasons I have you on right now, because we're in this, this season, this series about new beginnings here on the podcast and fresh starts and and sort of um, just turning corners and turning pages. And this is so much about what you do. This is a Mm -hmm. lot. You lead like this. Um, you're, you're like my favorite kind of tough cheerleader. Um, and so you don't let women necessarily wallow in a lot of excuses and buts, but you don't know my life, but you don't know my story. Um, so talk about that a little bit, sort of your approach to life, um, to being in sort of, like taking the bull by the horns to yes. say, this is, these are the days that I have to live on this planet earth. Yes. Um, and this is sort of your approach, um, to building and creating a meaningful and a beautiful life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I talked a little bit about my childhood. Um, so there was so much trauma there and there was so much pain there. And the life that I live today is, so beautiful and so blessed. And oh my gosh, it's not perfect. And we still, I mean, PS, we're on Christmas break and I'm going to murder all of my children who are not in school right now. Well, you know, it's not perfect, but it is such yeah. a beautiful um, redemption from where I came mm-hmm. from. And I think having walked through the things that I walked through um, for a lot of my earlier adulthood, I just thought, hustle, 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 go as fast as you can, keep moving forward. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. And it wasn't until I got married and the hustle, 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 keep going as fast as you can achieve everything, prove them wrong. You know, all the stuff. I'm a three on the Enneagram, as you know, I'm an achiever. Um, so my, um, that started to catch up with me. I started to get sick and I really had to look hard at, 
all the stuff that, that happened that I hadn't thought about, that I didn't um, process. And it made me realize it's, it's one of those things where like I would talk it through with my therapist or I would talk it through with Dave and you would explain the things that happened or I would explain the things that happened to me as a child. And the other adult who's watching you, Mm. like, have you ever made your therapist cry? You're like, Oh, we're screwed. (laughs) You're like, Oh man. Oh, are we that bad? This is how bad the therapist is crying. We're totally brother. Yes. Um, so I, um, kind of, as I started to walk through blogging about recipes, every once in a while I would share a story. I would talk about my brother was a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. I would talk about his loss. I would talk about, um, uh, emotional abuse as a child or the things I had done as an adult to try and cope with what had happened. Mm-hmm. And whenever I did that, the response from women was so overwhelming of someone said it. Oh my gosh, someone said it. And I, it's that saying, the most powerful words in the English language are me too. Totally. So when you have the courage to talk about your story and your past and the scars that cover your body and your heart, it gives other people permission to do the same. So I wanted to tell people, I wanted to tough love. I wanted to shake their shoulders. I wanted to, to, to yell about the potential that you have, but I knew that it would fall on deaf ears if I didn't first tell you what I had walked through to get to where I am. That's right. Because it's very easy to look at my Instagram or look at our life or think, oh, it's so, you've got it so good Mm -hmm. and you have money and you have access and you have resources. And I'm like, you have no idea where I have come from. That's right. So I knew if I could share those stories and then my goal is always the tangible things that I did to get past them. And sometimes my tangible things are just so dumb, but it's like, hey, this is what worked for me. And maybe it'll work for you. And that really has been the foundation of my career over the last so many years is I am not an expert. Mm. I do not know what I'm doing. I only know what worked for me. Yeah. I am constantly trying, like my, my greatest value in the world is growth. Hmm. So every single day, um, I, I am trying to grow into a better version of myself. I'm trying to be a better mom and a better wife. Um, I'm trying to be stronger in my faith. I'm trying to be a better boss. Um, so I am, I love to learn. I love, I read a million nonfiction books and listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos and go to conferences. Like I, I'm a sponge for information. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of ideas where, Hey, I was really struggling with, um, I was really struggling with drinking too much at one point in my parenting career. I was really struggling with this thing. I, I mean, I talk, you know, what's in the book. I talk about it all. all. Um, and my hope was these are the things that I've struggled with. And I think that they will, it will resonate with other women. And if I admit to my stuff and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's embarrassing and hard, but that it will give you permission to own your story Mm Because I really don't feel that it's possible to truly grow and succeed and become who you were meant to be if you don't acknowledge what brought you here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's, that's the idea. 
Okay, guys, quick break to tell you about two things I'm super excited about. So first of all, if you're feeling like you spend too much, eat too much, own too much, waste too much, you might want to check out the seven experiment video series and books I developed and take the seven week challenge against excess that literally changed our family's lives permanently. I'm, I'm serious. And listen, if you'll use the code podcast at checkout, you'll get $10 off any package. If you already have the book, and some of you do, we have a package for you too, and the code still counts. So you can find out more about all of this at the7experiment.com. The7experiment.com. Second, in the spirit of my latest book of Mess and Moxie and my good friend Nicole Nordeman's latest album, Every Mile Mattered, the two of us are hitting the road for the 12 City Moxie Matters Tour this spring. So it starts January 24th, and you guys really, it is it is such a great night. Tickets are as low as $24, and they are selling out by the day. So grab your friends and get your tickets at moxymatterstour.com. We seriously cannot wait to see you. So all this information about the seven experiment and the tour is also on my website at jenhatmaker.com. Okay, you guys back to the show. Tell everybody listening, because I, I love the way that you laid it out, how you sort of organized the book, because you really give handles for what women are actually going through in their real lives because you sort of, um, you know, you, each chapter is, this is something I once believed. Can you talk about that a little bit, the way that you, you structured it? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I learned this term limiting belief, which is sort of like a personal guru growth. Like it's a little cheesy, but it was super powerful to Mm me. The idea that there are things that you believe about yourself that limit you as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, like as anything, they limit you. It's that it's a story that you've told yourself for so long that you believe it's true and it's not. Mm. So I really started to, to do a lot of um, research and focus on the idea of limiting beliefs and the lies, the lies yeah. that we are told, especially as women. That's right. That we need to live into, that we need to be, that we need to look a certain way or act a certain way. Um, so as I started to lay out the ideas for this book, I at first was just like, let's talk about all the hard things. And then I realized that the, the theme with all of the hard things were these were periods in my life where I believed a lie about myself. So every single chapter in the book begins with a lie that I used to believe. And the lies are things like, I'm a bad mom. Mm. or I need a drink, or I'm bad at sex, or um, I deserve to be treated this way. Mm -hmm. Um, So by, you know, the Bible says that which is in the darkness shall be brought into the light. If you, if you let something stay hidden, if you let it, if you leave it in the dark, in the if you never say those words out loud, then you, then no one can speak into. That's right how wrong that is. That's right. And for so many of us, there's shame Mm -hmm. associated with these lies. And we never say them out loud because we're nervous that someone's going to agree. Mm. And when you say it to to someone that you trust and they're like, what are you even, you know, even my husband reading through this book, when he, he was like, what babe, like this was your, this was your perception of that time. Um, so I, I just, I think there's something really powerful about looking at those areas in your life where someone has told you 
that you need to be a certain way or act a certain way, whether it was your family of origin or society or your friends, and you started to believe that someone else's definition of a woman or a mom or a sister or a CEO is supposed to be your definition Mm -hmm. of that. So um, I never, ever want to imply that my way is the right way. I only hope that by talking about my own journey, that it will make you start to question yours. Yeah. And it does. And, and, um, you've, what, one thing I want everyone, everybody to know is that embedded in all of these really incredibly common, um, narratives that are aimed specifically at women that we believe that are steeped in lies. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to talking about just being truthful, you offer a lot of practical advice. I mean, it's, this isn't all just up in your head. I mean, you really do, um, suggest some really great best practices, um, (laughs) for like wrangling some of this, like uh, into back into control and, um, uh, really applying intention, um, Mm -hmm. to a lot of areas where we, we constantly expect them to just smooth out on their own, which is crazy. It's not the way it works. The world wants entropy. So, um, so having to kind of seize this, this idea of, um, you've got the power in your hands to to sort of change your own life and, and to take responsibility and own your own happiness. Can you talk about this? Because I think that women tend often to, we blame our circumstances Mm -hmm. or we blame other people or we blame God, Mm -hmm. um, for our deep sense of dissatisfaction and unhappiness. And to be fair, sometimes our circumstances are absolute crap as you know, as you've, as you've talked about at length. Um, but what's the flip side of that? I think, um, I think this is a really interesting conversation, particularly for those of us who grew up in a church environment. So, um, I was raised to believe that God had a plan for my life and that God and your daddy, and then the husband you would marry, um, you know, the best that you could do was to be the best woman for them. Um, and I think that for a lot of women, they still struggle with this idea of someone else is going to fix this. Someone else is going to make this better. If I'm just good enough, if I'm just pretty enough, if I just live into these narratives that someone else has set out for my life, it's all going to be okay. And I get, have gotten flack from, um, women in the Christian community who will Mm. like, but God, you know, God is in control. Yes, sister, God Mm -hmm. is in control. Our gift from God is the potential that he gave us. Mm -hmm. What we do with that potential is our gift back to him. That's good. Good way to put it. To be given these unique skills and abilities and resources at your disposal. And I know that everybody's access is different, Mm -hmm. but you have things in your life that are uniquely you. They're uniquely your gifts to just sit with them and hope like, Oh, God's going to make a way God girl. No, it it absolutely makes my head want to explode. And I think that part of the problem, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for one minute. Here we go. Part of the problem is that women in so many cultures are raised, raised like to be the best that they can be for someone else. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you're a, be the best mom 
for your children. Be the best wife for your partner. Be the best sister. Be the best daughter so that your identity is fully wrapped up into who you are for other people. And there, it's no wonder that women, especially mamas who, you know, you're five years into being a mom or 10 years into being a mom and, or you're an empty nester and you're like, I have no idea who I am. I haven't done a thing for myself. I'm sure you've had women come up to you at events. I have women all the time come up to me at conferences. They're like, this is the first time I've left my kids in a decade. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Because we are, we are at least where I come from. We are raised to believe that that was your purpose on this life. And there's something so beautiful about being a wife and a mother or not being a wife and a mother, but your identity, who you are, that shouldn't change regardless of who you're connected to. Because what does that say to our sisters who never get married Yeah, that's or right. who don't want to have kids? So you don't have value because... Yeah. It's so twisted. Right, 100%. Um, sorry, I, I went off on a crazy no, tangent. No, no, I'm with you. I'm waving my white hanky. <laughs> yes, good, 100%. good. Um, I just, I'm so, I'm so passionate about the idea that other women realize that they are in control of what happens next. Yes. And you, you might not be able to move forward a mile, but you can more, move forward an inch every single day. You can try something or do something or change something. I mean, here, here, I, um, I couldn't agree more. I am literally surrounded, uh, by women at all times who are so smart and so capable and courageous and stepping into new spaces and mm -hmm. trying new hats on and chasing down a dream that they've let lie dormant for a decade. And, mm -hmm. um, and just to watch the, the life um, on the other side of that, that just comes forth. I mean, where it, where there would have been nothing. Yeah. Now there is life. Now there yeah. is joy. Now there is art. Um, now there is cr something creative. There is a new relationship. There is depth. I mean, there, there really, even when our circumstances are garbage, mm -hmm. even when they are, because mm -hmm. that's going to be, yep. Uh, virtually all of us at yes. some point. I mean, yes. if you haven't suffered, just live longer, yeah. you know? Amen. And so it's not, it's just not meaning if everything's going well. Yeah. Um, even then in the face of betrayal or in recovery mm -hmm. or in failure, those are sometimes our best, our best teachers. Yeah. Um, if we're willing to like grab onto them and say, even here, I will reach for goodness. I will reach for truth. I will reach for courage. Mm -hmm. um, I will, I will not just be this passive person in my own life, mm -hmm. um, but rather like move forward with such intention. One thing that you do really well is um, you're a big advocate of, of women dreaming dreams. And yes. I love it. Um, and you know, I am too, you and I mm -hmm. share this space mm -hmm. big time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people struggle because for a variety of reasons. I'm mm -hmm. too practical. I'm too busy serving everybody else. There's no time. How dare I? Who, mm -hmm. me? The, yeah. the, the, the excuses are literally endless. Yeah. Um, but I would love, I would love for you to address the person listening who has a dream. Maybe, maybe it's this little private dream tucked away somewhere in their heart or mind. Um, and they're, they're afraid to dream it, or it could be somebody who is literally afraid to even imagine a dream that they're yeah. just going to stay the course. Um, 
What, what might you say to that person who's sitting on this quiet little dream and they're not sure if they are able or capable or worthy of taking the first step? Oh, such a good one. Um, and, and something that I feel so passionate about because dreaming and goal setting is the reason that I have the life that I have today. If you can't imagine something greater for yourself or for your family, I don't know how you work to get there. Mm-hmm. So um, we we have this conference. You were at our first one last yeah. year in Austin. And um, we recently spoke to someone who had come to the conference. We were interviewing her for the next one that's coming up in April. And she she said, and I it was honestly the greatest gift that anybody in my career has ever given me. She said, I came to rise because I had read your fiction books. And Mm -hmm. I thought if I came to your conference that maybe you would sign my books. I had no idea what it was about. Mm. I was not, I just wanted to hopefully take a picture with you. And she comes to rise. She says, I am a mom. We have a family business. I had no idea that I should have a dream. I had Mm. no idea that I should aspire to a goal for myself. It had never occurred to me to want to work towards something. And Mm. she said, I I sat in that, I sat in that room and I took eight pages of notes and I was so excited. It never, the, the idea that I would have a dream or a goal, she said, I thought was for people who own their own business or who were working their way up a career. She's like, as a mom, it never occurred to me that I could want to run a half marathon. Yeah. Or, you know, go on a vacation with my girlfriends. Or right. Dreams, the, look, dreams have all kinds of shapes and sizes. Yes. And I think that is, is, the, is the crux, is that your dream doesn't have to look like mine. Dreaming big just looks like being audacious enough to dream for yourself. Mm-hmm. So whatever it looks like to you, and I think for so many women, they know. When I stand on stage and I, and I challenge people, I say, you know, write down that dream that, you know, if you, if you were totally honest, if you knew you couldn't fail, all that stuff, write it down. And everyone writes it down. I'm like, how many of you are seeing that or hearing about that for the first time? Mm. No, no one's raising their hand. Mm-hmm. And how many of you have been holding on to this dream since you were little? And most people will hold a hand up. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's things like, it, it's those dreams that we had when we were little that mm. seem, like frivolous to us now. Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't want, who am I to want to write a book? Mm-hmm. Who am I to want to take a hip hop dance class? Mm-hmm. Who am I to travel the world? Whatever it is, um, because I think it ties back to that idea that we are supposed to exist for other people. So That's for right. women to have a dream or hope for themselves makes them feel guilty. Yeah, it does. Makes them feel shame. People talk about mommy guilt all the time. And if you get to the bottom of it, it's mostly like, well, I wanted to go, you know, get my nails done uh-huh. for an hour or I wanted to go on a run and I feel guilty because I'm leaving. I'm like, I can't, yeah. my, my ears can't, they're bleeding. I can't even <laughs> hear what you're saying right now. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. Mm. Uh, if you've ever lost someone close to you, then you know that that's true. Yep. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And if today was your last day, would you want to leave with all these things undone and all these words unsaid and all these hopes leading to nothing? I would rather live every day striving to be um, the woman of my dreams. Totally. 
Totally. Just, and that first step is not the final step. Yes. I think that keeps a lot of us frozen. Yes. Like, well, I don't know how to get to the finish line. Well, good news. You don't have to know that. Yeah. You, you do not step. have to know that. Yeah. You can just take the most tiny incremental baby step toward it. Yeah. And some, sometimes the next step materializes in front of you. So some of us are sort of in an incubation period where yeah. we're learning, we're sponging, we're gathering, we're mm-hmm. dreaming, we're, we're filling pages of notebooks, we're mm-hmm. writing down all of our notes. It's, it's not materialized yet, but we're, we're wool gathering and that that's beautiful too. And, and again, back to a point you made earlier, not every dream is I'm going to start an international company. (laughs) Don't don't imagine that dream means something that enormous or something Mm -hmm. that disruptive in your life, or Mm -hmm. it could be something that literally slides into the beautiful life you already have and you make room for it and you prioritize it. And it can be art Mm -hmm. and it can be creativity. It could be a job change. Mm -hmm. Um, it could not be, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is it's, it's something that makes your pulse quicken and it, Mm -hmm. it's what sort of keeps you up at night. And when you, when somebody says, just, if you could just say it out loud, without any sense of shame or guilt or what if, or what about, what would it be? It's that thing. Um, and so why not now? You know, I mean, it's 2018 and, uh, like literally years are slipping through my fingers. It's the craziest thing. I, my kids and I were just talking about this yesterday about how we were, we were trying to hang on with our minds to memories from the last four years. And we were like, it's like sand through our yeah. fingers. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am very well aware that this is my one life and yeah. I'm halfway through it. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I love how you encourage women. I love how you cheer them on. I like how you put real tools in their hands. It's not all just jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, cause sometimes jargon is exciting, but it just leaves you going, but what do I do? Yeah. What do I do now? Um, you go way past that into steps and tools and best practices. And it's all in your book and it's so good, Rachel. And it's so useful and it's so exciting and encouraging and it's honest. It doesn't feel like one of those things where you read and you go, "Ugh, I cannot relate to this person (laughs) or she does not understand how hard this would be or how much sacrifice it'll take. Like none of that is in there. It just feels like girl to girl, Mm. um, like tough cheerleader, the best, the very best kind of tough cheerleader. Okay. Listen, let's wrap this up. I'm going to ask you three just quick questions um, that we're asking every guest in the New Beginnings series. So we've talked a lot about taking sort of control and and dreaming dreams and all of it. So can you just tell quickly um, about a time in your life when you literally made a 180 degree turn? Like you completely blew something up that wasn't working and you started over from scratch, even if you had already sort of invested quite a bit and went, you know what, I need a, I need a turn course here. Yeah. We're, um, my answer, cause I saw this question on your list here is, uh-huh. um, right now. Okay. I want to <laughs> hear about that. Uh, well, I mean, we're in the midst of, of oh. yeah, more will yeah. be revealed in time. Yeah. I love the hush. Um, but, uh, we're in the midst of making some massive changes. That's right. Um, the biggest ever. And we are so excited about 2018. And also we would never, ever have gotten here and decided to make these choices if we hadn't gone through 2016, which Mm. was our year of foster care and failed adoption and so much change and so much hardship and coming out the other side of it stronger, stronger in marriage, stronger as a family. 
and it made us excited for change. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Hollises are in for some really big new right. beginnings here Stay soon. Tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I love that. I love that so much. So let's talk about, speaking of 2018, new year, what's one of your goals for this year? Uh, uh, work hard, relax hard. Oh, that's so, my favorite <laughs> mantra. <laughs> it is, um, I work hard, play hard does not apply to me. I don't, I'm not, uh, uh-huh. um, I hear what I you're saying. Really struggle. Um, you know, one of the chapters in the book is, um, I struggle with being a workaholic. Yes. It's part of my achiever mentality. It's a whole long reason why, but mm-hmm. as I, I'm getting so much better at it. And one of my goals is, Hey, you can work hard as long as you rest hard and relax hard and that's vacation good. hard. So that's, that's a goal for this year. Oh, I love that. Is that going to like look weekly and yearly for you? I like so. here, uh-huh. I, did, I did, um, something yesterday. I came to the office. Nobody's here. I went through Jen, every single appointment mm-hmm. in my calendar for 2017. And I Mm. made a list of the things that were awesome, the -hmm. things that were not so awesome, and the things that were time wasters, time Oh, dang. And it was, took me about two hours, and it was so powerful. Mm. And what I discovered from that, I also, every time that I had a dinner with my friends, or went to the spa, or went on vacation, got to travel not for work, or Mm. went to some experience to grow, like a conference, I put a little check mark. And I'm Mm -hmm. really happy to report that my vacation time was fantastic. And nice. (laughs) Um, But I was like, okay, I need some more spa time. I need some more friend time. Mm. Um, But I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. I love that. Um, Last question. It's, we always ask it from Barbara Brown Taylor. Do you read her? I don't. Oh, put her on your list. Who is that? Yeah, put her on your list. She's good for people like us because she's really contemplative and and interior and wise. And for those of us whose our hair is on fire and we're like running around all the time, she's a really good leader for for women like you and I. Um, Anyway, her question that she asks is what's saving your life right now? Uh, So I started this diet. Um, I, there's a woman named Kelly Levesque and she has a mm-hmm. book called body love. And I started okay. doing it about four months ago and it oh. has totally changed my body and my energy level, my sleep, everything. Wow. And, um, I love it because it's really simple for me to figure out every single meal that you eat should have four things, fiber, fat, greens, and protein. Okay. And that exist in any combination. So that's really simple for me, for my brain to follow. Uh Um, but it has changed like everything. Um, Mm. and I'm not a person who would ever, when I saw this, I was like, Oh, I have to say this, Mm. Uh, body love by Kelly Levesque. I totally love it. Um, she's be well by Kelly on Instagram, if you want to follow her, but it's, it's, uh, it's a healthy way of eating that makes sense for me that I don't feel like I'm missing out. Um, everything. So I highly recommend it. I love that answer. I literally wrote that down as you said yeah, it. You should check her, check her out. So, okay. You're just the best. Can you tell everybody <laughs> where to find you, where, where to look for you, to, um, to, where they can find the book, where they can pre-order yep. all of it? Yep. Yeah. So I am Miss Rachel Hollis, MS Rachel Hollis on everything. Instagram's my favorite platform. Um, the book is available at Amazon, obviously Barnes and Noble is the better place. Cause it's the exclusive edition, which has a bonus chapter. And oh, yeah. I signed 2000 copies. That's Barnes and Noble online. Barnes and Noble online. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and the book comes out February 6th and I hope everyone digs it. I'm so excited for you. I'm proud of you too. And thank you. Love you. It's been a fun year of, of really two years of becoming good friends. And I, it's just so special and I'm so grateful for you in my life and for Dave, who I adore and your beautiful family. And so, you know, I'm over on here, jumping on my couch, cheering for your book. I I love it. And I think women are going to love it. And I think it's going to move the needle forward for so many people who feel stuck or Mm. sad or lost. And I cannot wait for you to start collecting stories because it's going to be so amazing. (laughs) Oh, thank you. What comes back. Absolutely. Okay, everybody. So Rachel Hollis on the podcast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you later. So much love to Rachel Hollis for being on the show today. I really love that girl. Um, she is just the real deal. You guys just as genuine and truthful and honest, um, as they come. So as always, everything we talked about and mentioned is going to be over on my website on the transcript page for the podcast at jenhatmaker.com. So all the links you need, um, all of Rachel's handles everywhere she's at. You'll be able to find her over there. Links to pre-order her book, everything, everything, everything. Plus always bonus pictures. I'll dig some pictures of Rachel and I out um, from our Ethiopia trip that we mentioned twice. Um, and that was sort of our, uh, our really, that was when we solidified our friendship for sure. So I'll make sure you have plenty of bonus stuff over there. Um, so you guys, thanks for joining. Um, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for tuning in. We're trying to make this this series for the love of new beginnings really strong for you. Um, we want to put a lot of great content in your hand with a lot of really good ideas, um, a lot of tools and resources if that's what you're reaching for um, in a lot of different areas. And so come back next week because the guests are so strong, um, so amazing, so wise and experts in their fields. And so um, we love providing you with amazing um, guests and content and material. It's like so such a joy. So anyway, as always, thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks for listening. It's just um, such a pleasure to serve you like this. It's my favorite thing that I do. Thanks for reviewing and rating the podcast too. That always helps. Um, Okay. So until next week, have a great one and we'll see you next week on the show. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. Love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.